Hello and welcome to pod four of Footy from Across the Pond. I'm JD and I'm joined by Dave Matthews. Good afternoon. And Nick Madden. Hey folks. And let's get straight on with it. Taking a break from my usual agenda, we're going to talk first of all about an old friend of the pod, Diego Maradona, Dave, who's been in a bit of trouble. Yeah, uh, following their win last week, they did manage to qualify. They beat Uruguay 1-0. But Maradona, after the game, kind of lost the plot. In his aftermath press conference, he accused the <laughs> reporters in the press conference of taking it up the arse, which was probably not a great idea. And Did he, he have any grounds for that? Um... Well, I know he's been, rece- obviously he's been receiving a lot of criticism from the um, Argentinian press following their very poor campaign. And after the game, he basically wanted to rub it in that he actually managed to get them to qualify. But he's actually in a bit of trouble from this. FIFA actually um, looking into the foul mouth rant, and he could get a touchline banned from it, which would probably mean he would be uh, sidelined for a few of the World Cup games, which would be pretty funny, in my opinion. They'd probably do better as a result, wouldn't they? Well, I'm sure they'll have warm-up games before the World Cup, so he'll probably just get suspended for them. Mm. But it was so funny because there was a female reporter... There was a couple of female reporters there, and he was saying, "Take up the arse." And he went, "Oh, it's sorry, ladies." <laughs> so he didn't mind about the men taking up the arse, just the ladies. Well, the thing is, obviously, they won this game. This was actually probably their best performance in the last year. They actually played pretty well in Uruguay. They won one 0 It was probably the best, uh, most professional display they've put in for quite a while. Uh, after the game, uh, well, following this, the Maradona came out and said, I'm sorry that they are saying I'm arrogant, but I'm not going to take anything back of what I said. I have apologised to the ladies, to my mother, <laughs> and all the women who were watching, but to nobody else, because I don't feel like I have to apologise to them. So he's pretty um, assured of what he said, but he shouldn't have said it. It was completely wrong. and Not out of character, though, because he seems to be capable of coming out with uh, strange things. Because yeah, Isn't football better off for characters like that? In some way, but he takes it to an extreme. Like, he refers to God more times than the Bible. No, he refers to Martin Palermo as being an angel <laughs> more times than anything else. I can't believe that we could probably hail Maradona, a tactical genius, after this performance, after he's brought in Martin Palermo after like 10 years or something. Palermo being, did get the winner in yeah, the previous game. Huh? And he got the winner again? No, no the, uh, the he, guy he brought on did get the winner. So in theory, he played a big two part, substitutions though. who have um, yeah. made a big save. But they are there, they qualified. Uh, obviously the question remains, are they actually going to do anything in the World Cup? I'm sure with the players they've got, they should. But will they do it with Maradona? And I know there's a big question about if he's actually going to be in charge because he was threatening to resign at the end of this campaign anyway because it was such a disaster. So right now he's still there, but it wouldn't surprise me if he may not be the coach come summer but we'll have to wait and see what's the support like from the players for in, in, for Maradona um, I think they probably look up to him I know Sergio Aguero is currently dating Maradona's daughter or is engaged which is uh, probably a big influence on him playing but he's a good player anyway but um, if I'm a player like uh, Gonzalo Higuain and I've just managed to get into the team after probably be, being the best young striker in Europe maybe in the last year I'm questioning why is it taking me this long to get in and his selection policy has been Strange. He's been calling up overage centre backs <laughs> who have hardly played a game for the national team. So, yeah, I, I think the fans obviously have probably got, will give him more time than they would any other manager just because of his history with the national team. But I think, 
Yeah, he'll, he'll probably be in charge and come the World Cup because they'll probably give him the group stages, but I wouldn't be surprised if he completely cocks it up because his campaign was just a disaster for them. And they only just managed to qualify, probably down to Uruguay not turning up last Wednesday. I don't even know what all the fuss was about. They said Portugal won't qualify. They qualify. Well, they're in the playoffs and say about Argentina, they qualified. So they're mad. Portugal have only got to beat Bosnia. So. Speaking of the playoffs, um, Ireland have been a bit unlucky. They've got France. Do you know what I was um, hearing an Irish report the other day, and he said that's one of the best draws that they could have got. Said so out of all of them, they they would have rather faced France than like someone like Russia or Greece, which is quite interesting, really. Hmm. Nick, you, what do you think their odds are like, though? I don't know. I think oh, he said that he predicted that the French would probably win win the game, but I don't know. I think um, I don't think the French have done brilliant in this campaign either, but they're. F- 5-0 demolition of um, Faroe Islands. Even though it is the Faroe Islands, the goals were fun, good in the game. They they'll, some, they'll, be, they'll be all right. They got some superb young players, though, France. Yeah, like, exactly. We know about Benzema, uh, Johan Gorkov, which is still one of the most baffling decisions of the summer. AC Milan sold Kaka, and they basically as well sold Kaka's diet replacement in Gorkov to Bordeaux. He's an outstanding young player. He was player. on loan at Bordeaux, though. Yeah, so. They shouldn't have sold him. Uh, obviously, they got Benzema, we talk about Benzema. They've also got um, Ribéry, so... I, I can't see Ireland beating France over two legs. They got a chance it was a one-off game, but over two legs, France would probably be too strong for them. I oh, know. We'll, we'll wait and see. I think Ireland could come up trumps with Trapattoni. I'm sure he's got some good tactics. But if they play Kev, Kevin Kilban in defence, then no. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Hull, and look at them. What about the rest of the um, playoffs? Um, they have um, Russia versus Slovenia, which Russia, I think, could easily come through. Yep. Just Russia is so dominant. Mm-hmm. And Gus Hiddink has got his tactics right there. And Arshavin and Pavlichenko will look good up front. Mm-hmm. And then um, Greece-Ukraine. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting that, one. Yeah, I, think, um, I think Ukraine, if they play like they did against England, they'll make it through. Mm. Interesting. But the Greeks won the Euros, didn't they? So. I saw Ukraine in the last World Cup. I saw their game against Spain where they lost 4-0 in Leipzig. I was watching this game, it was the summer, I think, that Shevchenko signed for Chelsea. And I was thinking, what have Chelsea done? Torres was outstanding, along with Dovia, uh, but Shevchenko was just nowhere. He didn't get much like support up there, but it was a great experience. And Ukraine wouldn't be missed if they didn't go to the last World Cup going on that performance. Harsh. <laughs> the next World Cup. Okay, wrapping up international stuff then, and on to the Premiership. Um, biggest talking point of the weekend was Liverpool's, uh, well, Sunderland's new signing. The balloon. <laughs> it, was a, that. it was a beach ball. A uh, beach ball. So um, Liverpool effectively balls it up this weekend. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah. For those of uh, for those of you who didn't see this incident, I'm sure most of you did. Um, Darren Bent scored a goal in I think the opening 15 minutes. On on the way to the goal, the ball hit a balloon and it ricocheted off the balloon and went basically in the other direction, leaving uh, Pepe Reina, the Liverpool goalie, completely. Stranded. Well, um, he well, Rainer followed. The he ball followed the, the beach ball. Yeah. <laughs> Natural instinct. Now, and it was also a Liverpool branded beach ball as well. It was. So it was uh, actually coming from the Liverpool and fans behind pixel- the goal. Yeah, and they pixelated the picture of the fan that's actually like hit it in before the game. And it's funny enough, um, Rainer spotted that there was a beach ball in in his area. So guess what he did? What? Um, he retrieved the ball, and then he put it in his goal. And then um, it blew out. And it blew out. Yeah, and it blew out of the no goal. Way. Yeah, seriously. why did he just boot it back into the crowd or something? Or well, what he could have done? It was behind the goal. What he could have done was just stamped on the thing and popped it anyway. No, but, but it was a beach ball. It wasn't like a balloon or anything. I think you could still pop them if you stamp on them hard enough with your, with your Pro- no, I think you were probably like an absolute idiot. You, <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you bounced. If he fell over, that'd be a YouTube hit, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
I don't know about that. But, but yeah. still, anyway, it that went in and it counted, though. and it, they lost the match 1-0. But it shouldn't have counted. Uh, this has been the big talk point. I'm going to talk more about this in my rant, actually, but all I'm going to say is the goal should not have stood, because under FIFA law, um, the game should be stopped because of outside interference. And a yeah, but how often does that... I mean, you, you can't really criticise referees too much. How often does, that, does this happen? Well, man, it happened, um, happened in the Sheffield United Man City match a couple of years ago oh, where um, Michael Ball like, went to clear the ball and it hit off a balloon and yes. then went, went past Joe There's Hart. There's been a few games. I think there was a, a derby v Nottingham Forest the game where the ball hit a sort of a cup on the floor, a tea, a coffee cup, and went up and ricocheted into the goal. But it's a random thing, and I don't think the referee actually thought it hit the ball. I think he actually thought it hit Glenn Johnson because Glenn yeah. Johnson was basically in direct path of it. Should so. we be banning we'll balloons at soccer matches? Nah, have them in. Especially, especially at Liverpool end. <laughs> right in front of the cop. You can't beat them. <laughs> no, well, I, 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 really... I want to know why they're selling beach balls in Merseyside. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's got to be questioned. It's like, it's like selling a coat in sunny California, right? Exactly. <laughs> You're not going to get any wanted. It's not a great sale, is it? So funny. Um, but it, I thought, um, I think it was interesting that um, we were telling like, um, a local like, AYSO referee who knows nothing, like, literally about the game of soccer about it. And we said how it hit a ball and everything. He was like, what, and it counted? And he was so shocked. And he was like, surely that them, they should, like, stop the game and they should get rid of the ball. And then they should just give the other team, like, a PK or something. And I started laughing, but at least he knew the rules. And mm. the referee didn't even know the rules in the game. Like, I, I think the goal should have counted, just for entertainment purposes. It gives us a talking point. And it did. Although, to be fair, credit to Liverpool and Rafa Benitez, they didn't actually come out and blame that incident on their defeat, because they knew that they had 80 minutes to try and make up for it, and they actually didn't do anything in the game. No, they didn't play. do nothing. And, then, and Liverpool are struggling, because they lost um, to Lyon in the Champions League on Tuesday. Yeah, um, Liverpool are... And then now without Gerrard. In a bit of a mess. And Torres. They've now suffered, I mean... Yes, that, that was their fifth or fourth consecutive defeat in the world. I'm fourth, not sure fourth, which one. Um, that's um, in their history. I had a statistic that um, it's the first time that's happened since um, 1987, where they've lost four on the bounce. Yes, four on the bounce. Um, obviously, a lot of people are looking at Get the... Get it on the bounce. On the bounce. <laughs> the beach ball. It's always going to come in. Um, everyone's obviously straight away pointing at the fact that Toys and Gerard aren't playing. Um, I think that's a big point, because obviously Toys has been outstanding for them and gets the goals, but... I wrote a blog on our Facebook group, which we'll talk about later, uh, in regards to the sale of Xavi Alonso. Um, Liverpool made the decision to sell Alonso, which was, I think, right, because Alonso did want to leave. I think he made it clear that he wanted to join Real Madrid. That's but at the same Rafa time, put him on the market the year mm, before, just exactly. so he could get Gareth Barry. And obviously, Aquilani hasn't yet played yet. People say he's actually not similar to Alonso. I can't comment, unfortunately, because I haven't seen much of Aquilani play. But Liverpool have lost a huge piece of their team in Alonso. We're talking about what he'd done. Uh, that midfield three of him, Mascarano and Gerald was probably the best midfield in the Premiership last year by a country mile. They all had their own individual roles, but it worked. They combined really well. Mascarano would drop deep, accept the ball, or do the, the, the doggy work, so to speak, the job that most midfielders don't want to do, the McAlelly type of work. Mm. Then Alonso would obviously do all the ball work, he'd spray the ball out wide, he'd pass the ball, and then allow Gerard to move further forward. But with Alonso gone, it's meant that Gerard's had to play a more deeper role, and his season hasn't started the way it should have. So it's had a knockdown, a knock-on effect to the whole team. And they're not going to win the title. I think they're out of the race already, and they're in danger of going out of the Champions League. So, And they've got a massive game this weekend at home to United. If they lose that to United, do you think Benitez will be facing the job? Um, no, I, I think that he's going to stay. Obviously, the wrangles with the owners, you know, some of them, they want to sell, they don't want to sell. Like, um, they're not going to let go 
Benitez when they're in the process of selling a club. No. Because I'm insanity. I think if Rafa, if he leaves, he could leave. You know, because his hands are so tied, he doesn't actually get on with the owners. Obviously, his um, his that relationship. That's not right, is it? At the club? Yeah. No, his relationship with right. Rick Parry went Parry went um last year because he handed his trying to hand his job to Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. So you know, it's all. It's got it's gone there, and I think Michael Owen end up scoring a goal this weekend for Manchester United. That'll probably be that'll be the, the that'll be the final moment. Seeing Michael yeah. score the goal that gives Man United three points Anfield, and I mean probably does properly end Liverpool ch- title yeah. chances. Yeah, I predicted this week that um, Aston Villa will probably um, finish fifth ahead of um, Liverpool. Yeah. I think Liverpool will be lucky to get in that top six. We also talk about decisions that Benitez made. Like Glenn Johnson, very good signing. Well, good signing, but for 17 million. Like in my opinion, you know, we've already discussed. I think it's been discussed elsewhere. Right backs do not win your Premiership titles, and spending 17 million on one player in that position was kind of loopy. And I'm sure if he had scouted around a bit, you could have got a much better right back at a much cheaper price, a much cheaper price across Europe because there's good right backs out there. Well, he's he's sort of decent right back to Real Madrid. Yeah, and he was he's an arguably better and he's more versatile and he's very versatile he can play left and right back so you know but the only thing is though like Glenn Johnson in his defence has played well going forward but he's he's uh, but that's a bonus as a, as a right back. You want your yeah. right back to be solid first, and if they're good going forward, that's great. But they want to do the score. Sure, chipped in a couple of goals, but unfortunately, he just hasn't got it going back defensively. Oh, the and weekend, it's, le- it's left holes, and K- Jamie Carragher has looked off pace. That's why he's having a rubbish season. That's what that's what I think anyway. Well, you can tell a manager is not maybe hunting confidence team when he goes and plays, just switches to a back three. He played three at the back on Saturday against Sunderland. Apparently, that's because he was worried about Kenwin Jones and Darren Bent. Was fair enough, but he changed the whole setup of the team. And who did they have playing in midfield? The young English kid. Uh, what's his name? Um, Jay Spearin. Yeah, he. he yeah. I think that was Spearin. his first start. And yeah. Sunder's not an easy place to go. Like they're in good form and chucking in a young English midfielder who hasn't played a game for the first team. That's asking a lot. And especially in front of Lee Catamore and Canna. So is Benitez yeah. losing interest? Do you think? Do you think it's all got a bit much for him? His relationship with the board and. I just um, think he can't sign the players. I had heard a rumor that the board. Turn down the chance on David Villa in the summer. And if I'm Rafa Benitez and I'm looking at winning this title, he needs a strike partner to the Torres. He had Villa lined up, but apparently the board said, no, we're not paying that amount for him. And I think that could be the decisive moment because you, he, needs, he needs some more squad depth. There's strength in depth. Like last night they had David and Gog playing up front and then Volmanin came on and he basically got booed because he's that bad. And... You know, if you look at their attack, like if you look at their front four, five, whatever, Ben Ayoum, Babel, Ar- um, Volanin, Coit, the players behind Torres. Then you look at Arsenal's, Arshavan, Eduardo, Vela, Bentner, Van Persie, Walcott, Riziki. Like, <laughs> you Nasri. can't even compare. Nasri, mm-hmm. you can't compare the players. Yeah, I'll be a chicken, chicken exactly, and I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool really need a complete change and I think it'll probably come in the summer I don't think they'll get rid of Benitez now but I think come the summer I think Rafa Benitez will end up leaving and I'm going to throw a name out there to be the replacement it will either be one of Martin O'Neill or Jose Mourinho that's my view one of them will come in and replace him even with those two have been linked with the Man United job yeah and I think it's a case of one's going to get the United job one will get the Liverpool job but Liverpool could actually hold the advantage because that job their job could come available first <laughs> can't see Ferguson leaving for at least another few more years 
Hugs and Ferguson right. are still doing. Anyway, t- staying in the title top four, uh, Chelsea are also another team that's struggling. They lost away at Aston Villa. Um, it was an entertaining game though. Chelsea played really, really well in in the game, and I I was very impressed with the way they played. But unfortunately, Dropper scored a good goal. Yeah, Dropper scored from far out goal. as well. Yeah, although Brad Friedel, uh, he, he it was maybe should have done brilliant that, how he turned strike. turned. I think it was Collins he turned, mm. and that defense is very solid now. I wrote a piece um, this week about the defense and them. Um, yes. How um how solid they really do look, and I'm very impressed, very impressed with um the Collins done partnership. I've called it and um, well done, Collins. Well, and they both well, they they both um they both scored. Yeah, both scored already. Goals. And um, I'm, I was actually really impressed with Chelsea. They went and they attacked, but they can't defend from set pieces. You saw Wigan, the game against Wigan. What was it? Set pieces. Yep. Which so is surprising because with Carvalho and Terry and Drogba coming back from. You know, up front, they should be able to deal set pieces. And it was the same in the yeah. Aston Villa game. So yeah, some set pieces. Exactly. And Villa, like that, should be in your scouting report. You know Milner. You know Young. They're yeah. great deliverers of the cross. Why do you think they're in the England squad? That's yeah. That's why they're making it. They got some good headers. I in, think in, yeah. in Collins and Dunn. I think Chelsea, like as Nick said, Chelsea were outstanding at the weekend. They played some fantastic football. Like, some of their football was the best mm. I've seen Chelsea play in a long time. However, they've got no width. They've got no width at all. The wide player, they're basically relying on all the wide, wide areas from Ashley Cohen, whoever's at wide back, either Swinger or Ivanovic. Oh, Ivanovic. Or Belletti, depending on which one starts. They, they have got not, not much width in the team. Maluda, he seems to be in and out. And then they seem to play this diamond midfield of one, one of uh, Balak, Lampard, Deco. One of them plays yeah. in the hole behind. And it works some games, but they sometimes need to spread the play out more. And when they haven't got width, it basically makes them a bit too one-dimensional. Well, I don't understand why they bought Zerkov, who's a natural left winger and he's not even playing. Has he actually played a game? I think he played once or something. So, just shows. Yeah. And yet in Europe, um, they've beaten Atletico Madrid 4 0 tonight? Yeah, tonight they've won 4 0, I think it was. And they played, I guess. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not. And Salomon Kalou scored two goals, who is naturally a bit more of a wide player. So they stick a wide player out there and they get a few goals. (laughs) Well, they they bounce back. I'm coming after your job. <laughs> um, elsewhere in the Premiership, uh, May United won two one against Bolton, but they it wasn't convincing, was it? No, they were they were un- unlucky Bolton to not get a point from this game, especially in the last um, ten fifteen minutes. They deserved to get an equaliser. They really put Manchester United under pressure. You fought two 0 coasting. Once they got nicked that goal, everything changed. Your so. favourite nearly scored. Oh, was Cohen? No, oh. Tammy Cohen oh, substituted. Oh, did he? I'm good. I put him on my fantasy team. As well. <laughs> Shock. Yeah, I know. I thought, oh, he's going to spring a surprise against United. <laughs> but um, Owen scored, didn't he? Or? No, it was yeah, a, it, it was, was sort goal. of own goal. It was an own goal. Oh. But he, he, t- he sort of celebrated. Like, yeah, that's why. That's why I was thinking because he celebrated. Oh yeah, it was him, Zach Knight, wasn't it? Zach yes. Knight saying the goal, big foot. Okay, moving away. Um, it wasn't the friendliest of games between uh, West Ham and Stoke, was it? No. Uh, <laughs> it, you watching this game, like whatever you say about Stoke, they really do get in your faces. And Robert Hoof went to the extreme this weekend. Uh, Stoke lined up a free kick, and Robert Hoof literally did smack Matthew uh, Matthew Upson right in the jaw. Uh, he didn't even get a yellow card simply because the referee didn't see it. Although he has accepted, I think, yesterday a FA charge of violent conduct and apologised to Upson. And he's probably going to get a free match ban because it was disgusting. You can't, you can't do that on the field. Mm. Like, he, he literally did take an absolute swipe at him. And I felt a bit sorry for Matthew Upson because he was, get, he was in the wars at the weekend. He, he had a head, head injury before the game, uh, middle of the first half. So, yeah. Uh, but Stoke won. 
and again, they're home. <laughs> they're just doing a job. They you don't like playing against them like that. They just their teams all all over six foot. They must all be over six foot. Every single player, Ricardo Fuller. You know, he, he's full he of played really, really well. The weekend, and then they got yeah. BT back now. He's obviously starting to find the net again. So Stoke will be fine. Stoke will be fine. That they all come to yeah. stay up just because of they're physically just so strong. They're like Bolton were three or four years ago. With, with some, you know, arguably like bigger, more physical players as well. They have got yeah. more physical presence. Mm. That's their game, isn't it? They're not ashamed to play that physical game, are they? They're not. No. Things obviously we're very critical of the way the likes of Stoke and Bolton play. But Stoke can just uh, come back and say, well, it works for us. We're getting results. If we tried to play the way that the Arsenal's of this world play, we wouldn't stand a chance. They play to their strengths and fair do to them. And I said Tony Pulis has done an outstanding job there and he continues to perform miracles. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Great punch by Robert Hoof. It was a good punch. He, he, he knew that he, knew he, he had to smack Upson in as Upson just scored a goal before that from a set piece. If Ricky Hatton had done that in one of his latest fights in Vegas, we would have seen a different story altogether. We probably still would have lost the fight, though. He probably still would have. <laughs> um, Lancashire derby was quite, was, was quite uh, tasty, wasn't it? Yeah, that goal by Rob. Robbie Bobby that, that, that is a great goal. Just to big up this game, like I mean, people don't realise the, the it's not a small derby. The derby doesn't happen much. This is the first time these these two teams have met in the top flight since 1966. So that was the last time England won the World Cup. So we're looking a long way back. But you know, it was a great game. I felt sorry for Burnley because they actually did perform well on the road for once. But Blackburn, I know you're not a big fan of the Nick, but they came up with the win, and uh, they needed it because they've been struggling of late, and that's probably going to boost their whole atmosphere around the, the club because to beat your biggest rivals and Burnley and Blackburn have got a massive rivalry I remember watching one of their games a few years ago when they were in the championship against each other and it was an absolute war it was um, quite a rough game and yeah it was a great game and you know fair play to Blackburn and unlucky Burnley but Burnley as I said they need to start picking up some points on the road because their home form is surely going to dip next few weeks maybe maybe not maybe not mm, interesting another team that are struggling is Pompey and they didn't have the best of games against their former manager well, they did have a good game. Their performance was good, but um, again, just Spurs sort of free scoring in the moment. Jermaine Defoe scored that scored a goal and then got himself sent off. But I was really impressed with Pompey. They they could have um, easily nicked a draw. Do you stick by your prediction that Pompey will stay up? Yeah, I still definitely stick by it. Who do you think will go down then? Who are your three teams that are worse than Pompey right now? <laughs> um, Hull, Wolves. Even though Wolves got a draw, but I still think they're I don't I don't rate Wolves, and. Um, I don't know, probably... I'd love to see Blackburn go down. I would, actually. Just, yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> I know, just because... Um, just not... I don't, don't understand the their tactics. I don't understand how they can leave Benny McCarthy on the bench all the time. Benny McCarthy was like arguably their best striker two seasons ago. Why yep. is he on the bench? Oh, he's, getting, he's getting on, isn't he? Yeah, but he's going to be playing in the World Cup in South Africa. So surely he must well, be trying I could, as I could play hardest. I South Africa. <laughs> the thing is with the Premiership right now like there are so so much absolute junk down at the bottom of the table like Hull against we watched, I watched the whole game against Fulham on Monday and Hull done nothing all game like uh, they were just completely hopeless and then you've obviously got to consider Wolves are struggling and then unfortunately we've got to consider West Ham because right now West Ham are in, in the you know down in the doldrums and then we obviously Birmingham they'll be down there as well so it could be any of these about a group of seven teams even Birmingham as well but they, they played alright against them Arsenal on the weekend but Arsenal were just fantastic yes. speaking of Arsenal they got a win as well at the weekend Yeah. any thoughts on that any thoughts on Arsenal's title I said, I said, title I, I, I said last great I goal by Arshavin mm-hmm. 
very great goalie because I, I told it with a right foot. I said two weeks ago, I, I retract my statement from the first week of the podcast. I'm going to stick by that. Arsenal are right now looking like the only team that const- that could actually take a big step towards winning this title because the other lot aren't exactly playing great and Arsenal are flying right now. But as I said, the only doubt I have is when they come up against one of the big the big four, so to speak, they do seem to struggle. But they're flying right now. And, uh, I'm sure they won't Van- struggle against. How good is Van Persie when he gets that ball into his left foot in the area and getting in that bottom corner? Every nice. goal he seems to hit when he gets when he turns onto that left foot, he arrows it into the same corner every time. Uh, he's probably one of the best players I've ever seen do that. He's on Riesque but on the left foot instead of on when Henri was on his right foot. Oh, how good! Hopefully, finally Van Persie will um, become the player we know he can. I know you're a big fan of his. But yeah, um, I love Van Persie. He could be a star of the World Cup if Holland get it right he could be one of the players to really watch out for and if he's not injured though yeah this thing's so injury prone yeah so alright elsewhere um, Everton Wolves Wigan and Man City played out draws anyone care about those there's one moment I do want to talk about in the Everton game Uh, Wolves opening goal now it was a good finish by uh, Kevin Doyle but you've got to see route one wasn't it yeah but what Tim Howard done after like the ball's come over the top it's Doyle's through on goal with uh, Tim Howard and the ball's bouncing so uh, Doyle put it in on the volley but Tim Howard done some sort of starfish jump and the ball just rolled under his body (laughs) it was some of the most um, just crazy goalkeeping I've ever seen uh, but again the defending for that goal wasn't great but I think that um, That Howard should have been sent off in that match um, for like raising his hand and slap like slapping my hopper. He only got a yellow, didn't he? On the back of the yeah, head. And the other lad got a second yellow. Yeah, yeah. and the other one, but he's like both of them should have walked because yeah. his his tackle before that was clumsy. He deserved the yellow card. He shouldn't have budged into Howard. Yeah, he was going for the ball, but you can tell he just left left a leg in. Yeah. And he was trying to shove into Howard, yeah. you know, just to make a point. But no, Howard Howard should have. Um, yeah, the way he reacted, he should have went as well. This is all off the ball stuff. Like players, players, why do they do it? Like you got you know, off the ball hitting players like what? Who's done? It just stamping on people, stamping like on Defoe. people. Defoe yeah. done it. I just don't understand why you would do that. You you should be privileged to be playing in the Premiership. You shouldn't be trying to go out and intentionally injure or hurt another player. And I think players who do do that shouldn't be banned three games. They should be given a five or six game ban and really punished for it because we need to cut out the game. Because for younger players watching the game. Like when I was growing up, you look up to these players, and seeing players do that is completely unacceptable. And I think the FA should really, you know, crunch down on it and make sure that these players don't do it again because it's disgusting. Well, sounds like a rant topic. <laughs> well, players are human, and obviously their emotions on the field, but they got to try and be a bit more professional, especially like punches to the face. You know, you got you got to at least let that one calm down. Agreed. Okay, uh, moving into Europe. Um, it's still a two-horse race in Spain, really, isn't it, Dave? Even though um, Barca's 100% record came to an end. Yeah, they drew 0-0 against, uh, in Valencia. Uh, Real Madrid have closed the gap to one point. They won 4 to at home to Valad- uh, Valladolid. Uh, and uh, Villarreal, bottom, which I thought was quite surprising when I looked at the table at the weekend. Villarreal find themselves currently bottom of the table. Uh, in Italy... Inter are still top. They won 5-0 away at Genoa. But Milan have had a superb week. They came from 1-0 down to beat Roma 2-1. Uh, Alex Pato got the winner. And tonight they've managed to win, I think, 3-2 at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid in the Champions League. So the pressure of Leonardo now is eased because that was a huge win for them tonight, especially after some very poor performances going into the international weekend. Uh, in the Bundesliga, it's always good to cover Germany. And 
A lot of people who watch German football really enjoy it. They say it's really competitive, the atmospheres at the ground are great. And I've never actually been to a German game, but obviously going to the World Cup, I really experienced what the fans are like over there. And they love it. They're absolutely brilliant. And they're really in the, the league's a good quality league. Like Leverkusen and Hamburg remain joint top after holding each other to a nil draw. And Munich won uh, to close the gap on the leaders. So it's all going on in Germany. And in France, it's good to look at France. Uh, Lyon suffered a shock defeat at home. And I was quite surprised to see Montpellier a joint top after they beat Cetetian at the weekend. And Bordeaux, Monaco, and Marseille are all within three points. So some regular faces up there. And I know Nick wanted to discuss because uh, Scotland is still a European league, you know. Yeah, definitely <laughs> European league. <laughs> only, only just. Well, um, they want it to be more of a European league. They've actually the whole um, tran- the international break. All they've been talking about is this um, formation of an Atlantic league. Um, one of the presidents in um, Holland, I think he was like, a former president of Feyenoord. He's like heading this up, and Celtic and Rangers are really interested in joining this league where they take the best teams out of like, Holland, Sweden, Belgium. Scotland, and they they stick them all in this Atlantic League. They've talked about it like talked about it like ten years ago before them, ITV Digitals came in. That obviously f- crashed. But the TV money, I don't think, is not there. I don't understand why, like Celtic and Rangers are trying so hard to leave. And I'm a Celtic fan myself, but I don't understand why they're trying so hard to leave when they can't even get into the Champions League. Rangers are only there because they were awarded a spot for winning the league last season and Celtic threw it away. But I don't know Celtic aren't good enough in Europe. They'll show that tomorrow. Rangers aren't good enough in Europe. They've lost they've let in four goals in two games. Will they get more money from a new league which then they can spend on players? Um maybe. I why why would tev- television broadcasters put money into an Atlantic league when they're already putting money into a Champions League and a Europa League? Like the I just don't see it, and nobody wants to buy the SPL product. Like Sky are putting like a quarter of or something ridiculous of what Santanta put in. So who would be in this um, Atlantic League? Sounds like teams from Scandinavia a lot. Yeah. Teams up there. So Nor- would it be- like Rosenberg and Genk. Would it be Anderlecht. much of a draw? Like, would you want to watch it? Like, hmm. you know, it's not exactly the elite uh, teams around Europe, and. You know, I mean, Nick have had this conversation a few times about obviously the Celtic and Rangers coming into the Premiership and. You know, Nick brought up an interesting uh, way of possibly doing it. Uh, actually, this morning about that Celtic Rangers just come in at entry level and start down the bottom. Yeah. I'm sure Celtic Rangers fans and the two clubs probably wouldn't accept that, but that could be their only way into the Premier- into English football because I can't see them just being able to be given two spots in the Premiership when they're so, you know, contested to get into in the Championship. So <laughs> I don't know how this would work. The Atlantic, I just don't see how it could possibly work. It, it, you know, it could work to an extent for the clubs, but. I can't see it being much of a draw or attraction to watch simply because you're not exactly seeing an elite amount of players. And basically you're then saying that all the teams in Norway, Sweden and Scotland are then sacrificing their Champions League spots because you couldn't have you know, Champions League spots going from that league. So I yeah. don't think UEFA would agree with it. No, I, I, I don't think it'll work. I don't think the attendances will go. Why will people travel across the world to, when they're not even travelling to go and watch European games? Mm-hmm. Like when your team is in the Europa League and stuff. I really think that... Um, I think that Celtic and Rangers, they are big brands in the SPL, but the, nobody's buying the rights when Rangers and Celtic are in the league. So if they go out of it, nobody's still not going to buy the rights. Like they're still going to put in. So the other Scottish teams, they're going to lose revenue. They're probably going to go extinct. It's a, it's a poor product, product that they have up in Scotland. 
they need to change it. Something does need to change. It needs to be revamped in some way. Yeah. Because like we've got great young players coming through, but then all them great young players are now playing in the championship. Yes. They're all going to championship clubs. They're not going to the Premiership like it used to because we're not developing the complete quality. So they're all playing. Like we've got a couple of Scottish internationals playing for Burnley, which is good. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, not in like Birmingham, but not many around are actually in the Premiership except for Darren Fletcher. So what they what they should do is I think if Rangers and Celtic are that desperate to leave, just go and join England's lowest tier that they can join and then promote themselves up. That's the only way they'll do it where nobody else will complain. I can just imagine like where I'm from, I can imagine Crawley Turner Whiteley going to Ibox to play again. Would they, would, they, would they even want? I can't see them two going yeah. for it, but I think Nick's got a point. I just can't see. No, I mean, would the lower leagues even want Celtic and Rangers to join? <laughs> Maybe it'll bring in attendances. Yeah, bring in attendances for sure. It'll bring in better crowds, which would be a good thing for the lower leagues simply because of the situation down there. But It'll bring in media, media attention. They will Massive. follow them right to the top. They would. They, well, they managed to follow Leeds all the way down to where they've well, got look at Look at the immediate attention that AFC Wimbledon get. Yeah. And now look they, at them now. Mm-hmm. They even got like Champions League, I think Championship Manager sponsorship and everything. Yes, so, you know, this, it could have, I think, and like that FC United. I saw the other day that they were in like the fourth qualifying rounds of the FA Cup. Yeah, that was the Manchester United yeah. spin-off after the Glazers came in. The fans mm-hmm. were unhappy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they will get the attention and it will take, of course it will take seasons but that's the only way you're naturally going to do it and yes, they will get into debt but look at all the Premiership clubs that are in debt right now. They're all in debt. Everybody's in <laughs> debt. I don't think there's a club in the Premiership Everybody in is in debt right and in the Scottish game you're going to get in debt anyway so why don't you just start off yep. you know, Rangers haven't spent a penny in God knows how long so... That's what I think. Interesting. Anyway, so. Well, food for thought. Um, let's move on to our next um, section of the podcast, and it's Dave's sixty-second rant. Have you got a topic sorted out this week? I have got a very big topic, and uh, okay, you've only got sixty seconds. Yeah. Are you ready? I am. Go. Okay, guys. I read a, um, another article on this. It's basically in regard to the decision to, to suspend Mike Jones, who was the ref who was uh, who incorrectly allowed Darren Bent's goal at the weekend. Now I'm okay with suspending him. Whether or not he should have been suspended remains, you know, is that a good decision or not? But He's this weekend, instead of being suspended completely, he's actually going to officiate a game of the championship between Peterborough and Scunthorpe. Now, is that right? I don't think it, it does. If a referee makes a bad decision, he should not be rewarded with the right to go into the lower leagues and referee a game. Simply because it's unfair on the lower league teams. Like for Peterborough and Scunthorpe, they're now going to have to deal with a ref who's not wanted in the premiership. And I don't see how it's right that the premiership sloppy seconds, as I've called them, come into the championship and referee a championship game. Because the championship is as competitive and well-supported in as you know, probably some of the Premiership games, you know, so I think it's completely wrong, and I don't agree with that. Mike Jones should not be reffing this weekend. Full stop. He shouldn't be reffing again. He was suspended. Well, hold, quit the time there. I think. Um, yeah, well done. <laughs> but my question would be: um, we have a problem attracting referees at the moment. So, if you if you're suspending referees completely, where are you going to get the other referees? I just say he's made a bad decision. He made a bad decision. I'm sure he accepts that. Like he's been given a lot of stick for the decision as well. Like Jeff Winter, friend of the old pod, friend of the pod, uh, was came out on a few radio stations over the weekend and basically was slaughtering Mike Jones for the decision. I know Graham Pohl had something to say about it, <laughs> well, which isn't really a surprise. <laughs> and at the end of that, he made a bad decision. Now, whether or not they were right to suspend him in the first place, I don't know because it was human error. But suspending him and then basically saying, "Okay, you're not good enough to referee this league. 
But however, you are good enough to referee the league. Well, what below. they do have to do instead is they'll have to promote a referee from the lower leagues with who might not have the experience of refereeing the championship. Whereas they can have a referee who has refereed at the top level and the championship. He may have made a mistake, but you know he's got the experience of referee officiate at their level. Hmm. It's an interesting one. Like I personally would back the decision to allow European referees to come in and referee Premiership games. I think it would be would interest things up. And yeah, in, in agenda, just sending referees around Europe, so mixing them in, instead of just doing it at the Champions League. Have referees from Italy coming in for Premiership games. Have referees in England going over to Spain or Italy and refereeing games because it's a different whole culture for them and a way of refereeing a game. And I think everyone would um, generate, um, you know, really be good for the experience. I had a mind blank then of what word I wanted to say. Uh, fair enough. I don't know if it will work, but I, I do think that. Um, I know. I just think that look, the referees made a mistake, like dropping down to the Championship, League One, wherever you should go. You know, uh, Steve Bruce. Everyone came up makes with, mistakes, though. Yeah, and it, yeah. Steve Bruce came up with Players a fair. make mistakes all the time. He came up with a fair comment, and he said, "Oh, only saddos would know that rule," and nobody even knew it. None of us knew exactly, that it was a drop yeah. ball. Yeah, like just let the the the, the goal. They got it. Sunderland were going to win the game anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Because the way Liverpool played. So. Like, I'm, I'm ignoring the incident. I'm just saying he's been suspended from the uh, Premiership. That's the point I'm at. He's suspended. Why now does he have to go and referee a game in the lower league? That's basically just suspecting the league down there. That's my opinion of it. And it's happened before as well. Palace got lumbered with, I think, one of the Premiership cast-offs a few, uh, a few years ago just because he made a bad decision in a Premiership game. And I think that's just wrong. Should referees be suspended for making bad decisions? I mean, play, you know, players make bad decisions all the time and... No, Rio Ferdinand's been making a string of them recently, and he hasn't been dropped. I, 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 it's a very good point. I think, as as we said, you know, being a referee, it's all about you know, hum, it's all about human error. Mm. You know, get, soccer, obviously, you know, football, it's a set way of playing. You know, rules are rules, but at the same time, some decisions aren't necessarily a fact; they're an opinion. Did the player win that ball or not? The referee has to make the decision. Is on it is it another case or another example for the argument of? Video referees, maybe not necessarily in this case a video ref, but someone else in the stands who could be checking the rules and then tell the referee that, that yeah, you know, we, we could have stopped the game for one minute, two minutes while he checks the rule book. Well, doesn't, doesn't, isn't there a referee assessor at the game? There should there's be a, a fourth yeah, official. There's, a, there's yeah, also an assessor. But in there is an assessor, isn't there? Yeah, Why hasn't the assessor a... got on the microphone and said, No goal, mate. Sorry, you've got to pull it back, it's a drop ball. Yeah. Because the goal was scored, they were celebrating anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So time has already stopped because that all they had in like 30 seconds for a time for um, a goal celebration, whatever. But the referee assessor, if he's assessing the referee, he should know the rules better than the referee. Absolutely. It's a tough one. Video technology obviously is used in sports over here. Obviously it's massively used in football, American football, mm. and it works. But at the same time, being an English person watching a game of football, even on telly or live, it's very frustrating because games that you held up two or three minutes to make a decision. And NFL games and college games, they are, you know, it's, it, every decision is actually looked at to make sure. I don't want football to become like that. Our football, it's more, it's a free-flowing game. We want decisions to be questionable because we wouldn't be doing things like well, this. Well, then we can't, be, we can't be complaining about decisions that go against the teams or that are wrong. Yeah, probably. If we're going to accept that they're going to be questionable decisions. The I premium, think yeah. the, the referee needs to learn from his mistake and just... Put him back in the Premiership. Yeah. What's the point in demoting him for a goal that, you know, it, the shot might have even gone in. Well, it may have deflected off Ben Johnson and gone in anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, did he have a good game after that? You, you know? Mm. So, one, one mistake. Yeah. So, okay. Well, interesting stuff. Think, um, yeah. Moving on to the next section, we've got the, uh, the player profile. Player profile number four, Nick. Oh, um, I like it. Oh, we didn't, didn't, we didn't sing Dave's song. 
Ah, oh. oh. today. Oh, oh well. well, we'll do it next, next week. week. Oh, maybe I'll think of a new song. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Okay, be. okay. So um, today we have. Um, do you have a jingle for the pair profile? Should I make one up? <laughs> no, I, I have. A, I have actually one. Okay. On. Um, put your hands up for Pierre. 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 So this was a song that was This was a song that was released um, in Holland um, for this um, famous player called um, Petrus Fernandez Jonas Van Hoydonk. Or really? as, yeah. <laughs> or as um, everybody knows him as Pierre. Put your hands up for Pierre Van Hoydonk. As his full name, he was born in November 1969 in um, Steenenberg in the Netherlands. Um, Pierre started off his playing career at young age and playing for a yo- his local team. When he was 11, he was asked to go on trial for his favourite team, NAC Breda. Um, he was then selected for them and asked to play for the right in, on the right wing. Um, he was there for three years and then told he wasn't good enough and dropped at, at, down to amateur level at the age of 14. He was picked up by his, um, lo- his club, club of birth, um, FF Steenenberg. And um, he would play for them for five years, spending the last two seasons of his career in the first team, playing a prominent role as striker. And these performances got him noticed by RBC Rosendahl. So he signed his first professional contract in 1989, and he was drafted into the first team of RBC Rosendahl um, because they were heavily in debt and they were relying on youth players and really trying to get them through so they can either replace the first team stars that they're like sort of selling or just putting these youth players in to get them experienced and then sell them on. And um, his second season um, was his pinnacle season. He ended up scoring a load of goals. And NAC, actually, um, the team who let him go, go um, came back in for him and thought he was good enough now. Now he's a striker. And um, because he supported him as a kid, he joined them in 1991. He went on to play for them for four seasons um, he played 115 games and scored an incredible 81 goals, which is quite a prolific record. And um, then his goals helped him helped the team get promoted to the Dutch Premier League in 1993. And um, his goals also got him noticed by the national squad, and he was called up in 1994. Made his debut for the Netherlands, and straight after that, a month later, he was signed up by Celtic. Celtic played 1.2 million for um, a player with genuine quality. His debut goal was des- described as um, a, a player with a rare gem in a field of rock. <laughs> so he helped, um, he helped Celtic win um, their first trophy since 1989 at that point, which is the Scottish Cup, and actually scored in the final. He had a prolific record, and um, he get, got a nickname from the fans because they loved him, and they called him Huggy. And Huggy? Yeah. How come? Any reason? Um, do you know what? Huggable person. I don't know. I wish wish I knew the wish I knew the behind of it. I just heard that him his nickname was Huggy, but I knew the reason behind it. it would definitely help. Maybe he was hugging onto the manager. Maybe. Maybe Tommy Burns at the time. So um, he went on to score thirty two goals um, the next season, his first full season with the club, and then Burns said on his star signing, "I didn't, I didn't expect him to have any problems fitting into the Scottish game." But he has added a silky touch and a goal ratio, which is very good. And then in 1997, Van Hooydonk's time 
um, at Celtic was um, coming to an end because he went on to radio and um, he was trying to... Um, they were talking about a new contract and he was offered a new contract by Celtic. And he um, famously said that um, 17... No, sorry, £7,000 may be good enough for a homeless person, but £7,000 a week is not good enough for a top-class international striker. Harsh. <laughs> so he was... He was saying that he need, he needed more money and he deserved more money for his goals, and he was quickly transferred to the English Premier League with Nottingham Forest, ended up paying yeah. four point five million for his signature, and that was a big signing for them at the time. A lot of money at the time. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of money, and um, they wanted a player who could score goals. They needed someone who could save them from relegation because they were deep in trouble. They had eight games left to survive this season, and when Pierre van Hooydonk came, they actually drew seven of their eight games, but they lost the other one. Pierre only scored one goal in this time, but he did make a big contribution, but ended up getting relegated. But um, he pledged his... Um, scored one goal. He scored one goal. That was it. Yeah, in eight games. Yeah. But at, le- at least um, at least they got draws. It wasn't enough. But it was enough the next season when um, he pledged his future to stay at the club, help them regain their status, which they did. He scored um, 34 goals in Division 1, and his partner partnership with um, Kevin Campbell was brilliant because he scored 23 goals as well wow. and um, he was a regular in the Dutch national team because of his form with Nottingham Forest and he went to the 1998 World Cup where he scored as a substitute in the match against South Korea when he returned from the World Cup um, Nottingham Forest um, just got promoted but they ended up selling a lot of their key players and um, Kevin Campbell actually went off to Turkey at the time and he felt, um, Pierre felt betrayed and he was just like, I can't believe that the club isn't going forward. It's not been successful. And he actually went on strike. I, I don't know if you remember yeah, that, yeah. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and he went on strike and he just he left, he flew back to Holland. And he ended up training with NAC. And because um, he kept asking for a, to leave, he kept asking, well, if you're going to sell your best players, I might as well go. And um, in November 1998, he returned back to the club when. You know, he'd been on strike for 10 games by this point. Um, he, went, he went on after that um, to prove his worth. And he scored, um, he scored six goals and 18 starts, including a goal against um, their rivals, Derby County. But nobody actually celebrated with him. <laughs> um, everybody celebrated with him. He weren't um, very liked then, I guess. Scott Gemmell, who the person who provided Cross. Yeah, he wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that well liked. And um, he tried to help them overcome relegation but they finished bottom that season and ended up getting relegated. But that, it was, so he's a real lucky charm for us, two seasons, two relegations. Yeah. The thing is, though, I mean, he's a real cult hero. Like He was known for his amazing free kicks. Yes. And Van Hooydonk had a brilliant scoring record, and although he didn't show it as well in the Premier League itself, I think it's a good mention just about Pierre Van Hooydonk because he was a fantastic player, but he player. unfortunately he just came to the English Premier League at a time where he probably thought he was the best things that slice bread. And his ego and arrogance just took him a bit over the edge. And he wanted to be part of a successful club. But, um, so he returned back to Holland. He ended up scoring loads of goals for Vitus Arnhem, proving his own 3.5 million price tag. And then he spent a season at Benfica after that, scoring loads of goals again. Yet he got sold off due to a change of manager. Um, he then went back to Holland again, played for Feyenoord. He helped them win the UEFA Cup in 2001 and 2002. That. a lot of free kicks for them. Yeah, and that's how um, his um, Put Your Hands Up for Pierre song um, came out. It was actually in the, in the charts 
in the Dutch music seen, charts. I'm guessing that's based on the song Put Your Hands Up for Detroit, right? Yeah? No? Or Put Your Hands Up in the Air. Oh, Put Your Hands Up in the Air. Put, put Your Hands Up for Pierre. Put Your Hands Up for Detroit. Detroit. That's I a love new the song. city. Uh, do, 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 which of course Liverpool fans have turned into Put Your Hands Up for Detroit. Shit player. Oh, well, anyway, sorry. Carry on. But um, yeah, so um, Pierre van Hooydonk saying free kicks and goals was real. Um, made him a big, massive fan's favourite in Feyenoord colours. And all, but never wanted to settle down. Van Hooydonk joined Fenerbahce. And then he scored, he scored 32 goals in 52 games for them. And he wore him um, the number 17 shirt, the same number he wore for the national team. And he was nicknamed Azi Pierre, which is Saint Pierre in Turkish, by the fans. And he was actually, um, he was such a big, massive fat fan's favourite over there. He actually st- starred in a Coca-Cola Turkey advert, where he's mm. like, it's so funny, you've got to watch it on YouTube, it's hilarious, where he's like, sort of... Um, Got a moustache every time he drinks a can of Coke. Yeah, ridiculous but funny. And then he won his um, he won the league title twice for Fenerbahce during this time. The first them um, real championships he's won. He's only won cups at this point. And then um, after his time in Turkey, he went back to Holland, played one more season with NAC, and then the next season with Feyenoord. So he went back to his former clubs. End up um, then, but then. Sadly, um, retired after an 18-season career, making over 500 appearances and scoring well over 300 goals. Um, And being capped 46 times by his country and scoring 14 goals, which is quite impressive. And um, the um, 36-year-old, at the time when he um, decided to retire, he he gave up his career um, claiming that um, football is still a hobby for me. I'll train with a smile on my face every day and it means a lot to me. So I don't want for that moment to come when all the pleasure is gone. I set some demands on myself in terms of what it means to play for a top club, but the group of players who think the same way as me is unfortunately not too big. So he's basically saying that he really enjoyed the game and just didn't want like that he wanted to quit while he was still enjoying it. And then now, um funny enough, he's a pundit. From the Dutch TV broadcaster Eredivisie Live, which is their Premier League Live, yep. and in um, 2008 he um, became a victim of fraud and lost two million pounds. No yeah, to um, two million pounds. Yeah, because um, he involved himself in a Chinese textile company which didn't <laughs> exist. So um, wow. that, that's yeah. him, and um, so obviously choice. in the future. But I just want to point out that Pierre van Hooydonk was a fantastic footballer. He was. But I, I just think that he came to the English Premier League at, at the wrong time. But everybody will remember Pierre van Hooydonk, but not for his goals. It's remember funny because I remember, he's one of the players that always stick in my mind. I didn't realise that he had such a lame goal score record at Forest, especially when they were in the Premiership. I thought he had more effect for them. Mm. It's, it's funny, isn't it? That he only scored, what, seven goals for Forest? Yeah. And, well, and when they were in the Premier League, but he scored a bucket full when they were in Division 1. Mm. I remember when he went on strike. That's the, I really do remember that. I can't remember the ins and outs of when it was, but I can remember it did cause a lot of controversy back home and the media were loving it at that point. So it was like, where's Pierre? Who, who spotted him? <laughs> I seen. I saw him in Brazil. I saw him in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> but he did come back and he did make an impression and he tried. To s- but, um, I think we should welcome Pierre Van Ornoen to the pond. Hall yeah. of Fame. Yes. Pierre's in. All right, good one. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Um... We actually have some proper emails this week. We actually do have some emails. Um, 
basically, I'm going to just run over them quite quickly because we don't want to be uh, here too much longer. Uh, basically, uh, what, first email came from Dylan. Uh, I know Dylan quite well, um, and I really appreciate for emailing him, emailing in. His email was basically about United and how he's worried about their struggles this year. Obviously, in the summer they obviously got rid of Ronaldo, uh, Tevez, Michael Owen came in, as well as Antonio Valencia, and he feels that they're probably not the team they were last year. And I think we've already covered that in previous weeks. I think he's right. Yeah, he's yeah. very right. I think Spot it's on, Dylan. Uh, yeah, we agree with you. He feels that Berbasov is finally settling into his role. Agreed. Um, agreed. And Anderson's maybe starting to show the promise that he came with. Disagree. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not I think Anderson's Anderson. a good player, but I don't know if he's yet the player he could be. I'm not a fan of him. And I, li- basic... I like, I like um, Anderson's physical attributes. No, I don't like his, his accelerator. Yeah. His acceleration is unbelievable. This, like, honestly, he will beat any player to the ball, but yes. he can't shoot for Toffee. Mm. And Dylan, Dylan basically was bringing up the question of how, how do we think United can perform without Ronaldo? He hasn't actually included Tevez, but Tevez was another important uh, figure in that squad last year in the Premiership and Champions League. Um, Nick, how, like, what's I get the impression that United are becoming more beatable in, in the eyes of other teams. Mm-hmm. Teams, are going, teams are going for them and attacking them, whereas before they'd be a bit defensive. Yeah. Teams are giving it a go now because I think without Ronaldo, they don't necessarily have that. Fearsome reputation. It's funny no. because Valencia's scored two goals in the last two games, so maybe he's now started to settle down. He scored, scored in the game against Bolton, he scored the winner, and he scored tonight as well in Moscow in their 1 0 win against CSK, CSKA. So maybe Valencia's settling down. Didn't Nanny set that up as well? He did. Oh, Nanny, poor, Nanny poor. set that up. Can't um, believe I, I think that. Um, I think that Man United will um, either come second or third this year. I think I think Arsenal will win it. In an ideal world, Arsenal will win it every year. We all agree. All agree. Don't we? I think it'd be good to see Arsenal win it just because the way they play. All right. Well, but I don't. I I want them to win it. I think they can win it. Do so I think they will come May? I think they're just going to miss out. Just I think their results against the bigger teams aren't going to be what they need to be. Well, that leads us on to our next email. Yeah, uh, this is from Andrew. I know Andrew very well as well. He emailed us in basically about why Chelsea, United, Liverpool, and Arsenal may not be running away with it as much as they have done in recent years this year. Uh, he thinks it's maybe down to the fact that the likes of Man City, Spurs, Villa, Everton, and to even an extent Sunderland, have been able to bring in some good talent this summer. Oh, I think it's more to the fact that the big four haven't brought in much talent this summer. Yeah, they haven't yeah. spent anything. Well, no, Chelsea haven't really. spent anything. They, they got... now can't for another 18 months. I mean, every <laughs> team's lost in the top four has either lost something or hasn't gained something. You look at Chelsea, they haven't spent a penny. Arsenal lost Adebayor and Torre. But they brought in for Malin. Yeah, and they got Riziki back. Riziki was like a new signing. You then take into account what Manchester United lost. Big. They lost the best player in the world and another important key member. And obviously then Liverpool lost Xabi Alonso. They didn't really bring in a replacement. Aquilani and then obviously they brought in Glenn Johnson. Where City obviously brought in, I think, a whole squad. most of them whole players. <laughs> apart from, I think the only player they didn't bring in there that I mentioned was probably uh, Ronaldo and uh, Alonso. And uh, Villa have spent well. Nick obviously covered it earlier. They brought in some good... Uh, Good replacement to Martin Larson, who I think was a big yeah. loss for them. And they've strengthened well. Obviously, they lost Gareth Barry. Uh, Stuart Downing hasn't yet played. I don't rate Downing, but I do. I've seen they got high hopes of Downing. Everton bought very well. I think a lot of people were panicking when they sold Lescott, but they brought in uh, Johnny Heitinger from Ajax, who's a very accomplished defender. And obviously, uh, Sylvan Distan is yeah, a And I'm not even going to try pronouncing his name. But the Russian winger who they brought in has been a very big hit. He Belenichov. He scored the equaliser this weekend. <laughs> Is that how he pronounced it? I, I have no idea, but it's a massive long name. But he's got it's a like Venegor of Hessling. It just, just won't, won't get him on the back of his shirt. And then <laughs> the other team, I, I think Sunderland. You, uh, Spurs, obviously, they brought in Crouch and um, Basson from Newcastle. Uh, 
there. But the big one for me was Sunderland. Uh, obviously, we've talked about them ben. a few recent weeks. They went down Bent, but they also brought in, obviously, Loic Karner and Lee Catamore. But Lee Catamore is out for the next three months with an injury that he suffered. He suffered a knee ligament injury. Mm. So are we agreed it's more of an open league this year? <laughs> yeah. It's open in terms of getting into that top. I think the teams there aren't going to be too far away, but I can't see any of them breaking into the top four this year. But I don't think the top four is going to be as far away as it has been in recent years because the gap's been ridiculous normally. But this year it'll be closer. But I can't see any of them actually breaking in. Although I, th- I think Man City will break in. I think Man City will break in. I think, you think Villa, um, Villa will get fifth. And I think um, Liverpool will fall out of it. I mean, Liverpool in big danger of falling out completely. But we Only don't because of the squad. Yeah. Because if they get injuries like the scene, they, they will lose. Mm. So, yeah, they were the two. I just want to say thank you to Dylan and Andrew for emailing. We, we, I've, Thanks, actually boys. Got, I've actually got another one, so oh, thank wow. you, boys. I've got an email from um, my friend um, Matt Hardiman. Um, he's a West Brom fan. He actually um, emailed me and said, oh, why haven't you mentioned the bad- baggies? I emailed him back saying, um, we have, so listen to the pod. We did. <laughs> and um, we also mentioned his strike partner, um, Bentner and Mutu, maybe making a good strike partnership. Yes. <laughs> their drug dealings and all that but um, I said email me back let me know how you think um, West Brom are doing this season as you go and watch the games and you're close to the eye and he said Roberto Di Matteo has been a very good appointment shows that the chairman knows what he's doing by appointing yet another young manager who believes in playing football the proper way however he's doing something that Mowbray failed to do and that's helping us defend which I don't understand why Mowbray can't help a team defend as he was a defender although I once saw Tony Mowbray score the best own goal for Ipswich against Palace it was brilliant (laughs) Fraser Digby booted downfield Fraser Digby Matt Svensson hit it on so bear in mind it hasn't touched the floor and then Mowbray went to clear it but Richard Wright had come out and he went to clear it slide off his foot and went in didn't touch the floor until it hit the back of the net and that was one of the best goals we scored that season it was brilliant (laughs) thanks Tony Mowbray well I he's a rubbish manager at the moment anyway for Celtic but um, it said that um, we are still poor. We're still poor at the back, but the defending's better, and we're playing ugly when we need to, which is. But most of the time, we're playing good football. Promotion is looking good, I think. Another good thing is putting faith in youngsters like Dorans and Wood. Love the jingles. Where are they now? You should do Titi Kamara from Liverpool and Aspria from Newcastle. Oh, I think yeah. Aspria is going to get. I'll look forward soon. to the show, shout out. So yeah. That, there's well, some yeah. good suggestions yeah. there, so thanks for the email. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for your support. I'll, let, I'll give out the email address at the end of the show because we've got to cover a few things about. Have we got time things. for fantasy that? Yeah, we? we've got fantasy that, and we need to accumulate. All right, so moving on to fantasy that. How are you boys doing your fantasy teams? Oh, fantasy that. Nice. I had a good weekend. I actually made decisions to bring out Torres, and he was injured, and I bought in Anelka. And although Anelka didn't score for Chelsea, I think he uh, he, got, he somehow got a few good points just because he played, and obviously Darren Bent got a goal. And, uh, yeah, I finally my fo- I've got Bent and Drogba finally. Um, I'm starting to sort my team out. So. I'm in second. I went up to second this weekend. Yeah. I'm only two points off the top. I've moved league. up right from bottom to mid table, so what? I'm actually surprisingly doing well. Well. And I've managed to take Gerard out of my team as well now. Well, D- um, Dave's overtook me because I thought, oh, yeah, masterstroke. I thought oh, Young isn't like getting as many points as I thought he would. I thought he'd get more assists. Um, so then I took him out and put in Stephen Ireland. Because I thought oh, Stephen Ireland scored the week before. Realised that Stephen Ireland hadn't started any of the games. <laughs> so made an absolute big pig zero of that. And then, well, yeah, Young, Young was brilliant and scored loads of points. So um, that took me out of the, out of the running this weekend. So Unlucky. I'm third place at the moment. All right, good stuff. Um, what about the accumulator then? For this the week? accumulator, so how put, do we get on last put a quid on it. How long did we get on last week? <laughs> um, how did we get on last week? Last week was absolutely pitiful. We claimed to be 
I can't believe we claim to be no, football experts about, football. about the game. And um, James, you only got one right. What did I get right? Um, you got. Let me have a look here. Ooh, you got um, Man United beating Bolton. Yeah. Dave, and I went you, for a Palace defeat, and actually got a draw. <laughs> and Dave, you only got one right, and that was um, Arsenal versus Birmingham. And I got none right. Yeah, I did. I know. So who have we got this week? So in fear, we do not know what we're actually talking about. I know. Out of twelve games, we predicted two right. So. Great. So let's hopefully we can have a good weekend this week. So Dave, you have Wolves versus Villa. That's oh, Derby. Villa are going to win that game. Away win. Oh, okay. What about Hull versus Pompey? Oh, oh, this is a tricky one. Oh, this is going to be a great game. I'm actually going to go for a Pompey wings. So good man. Good man. I hope. Right, play out Pompey. <laughs> what about Bolton versus Everton? <sighs> Some toughies. Everton away win. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a tough one at, as well. At the Reebok. And it? Crystal Palace versus oh, London Forest. You, you know, this is going to be a tough game. Well, of course, Forest, it's your week. Flying. <laughs> I'm going to go for, because we've got injuries, I'm going to go for a... Oh, screw it. Home win. Let's oh, go. Home win. Let's do it. I'm just, I'd say draw on it all. All right, James, um, you have... Birmingham versus Sunderland. Away win. Tottenham versus Stoke. Home win. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Oh. <laughs> um, I, because Liverpool got a knack of um, getting a result when they're under pressure, I'm going to go for a home win. Really? Liverpool. Win. That is a very surprising one. I think my quote I think Rafa Benitez will now become a friend of the show because there's actually one person who believes <laughs> in him still. Well, I just I got the feeling. I remember last year, you know, when they beat they uh, they needed to get a win to keep up United, and they beat them at Old Trafford four-one. Yes. I know they threw it away after that, but these are the sort of games that sometimes they can. I know they have no oh, they have no Gerard or Torres. Torres isn't definitely out, but it's. I'm still going to go for it. I don't care. I'm going to go for it. Still with, by with the home fans, with the cop, I'm going to go for it. For home win. I wonder if that new sign and La Bici Ball was If Torres is out, he'd probably do a better job up front than David Ungog and Torres, <laughs> they might as well chuck him up front. <laughs> the beach ball's clinical from like six yards, except for he's well offside. I know. <laughs> so, um, and then Man City versus Fulham. Home win. Okay, and I have Burnley versus Wigan, which um, I've put down as a draw because I think Burnley will get something at home, but I think Wigan, they've been looking really impressive yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Um, Chelsea versus Birmingham, I put as a home win because I don't like Birmingham. Oh, sorry, not Birmingham, Blackburn. How sorry, can Chelsea you give yourself Blackburn. that fixture? No one should have that. It's an absolute banker, isn't it? What Chelsea? Chelsea? Yeah. Birmingham. Yeah. Nick, I, do, do Nick decides the fixtures and shocking gets Chelsea's own banker. <laughs> do you know what? I actually do um, the same the same time every week. I look at through the fixtures and I give you the first one, yeah. JD the second one, and me the third one, and I keep on that same order until the end. Oh, just okay. just um, so that's why. Fair enough. So I'll let you. I've off. got a system. I promise. And I have West Ham versus Arsenal, so I'm going to go for a away win. And Hamilton versus Celtic, oh, so I'm going to go for an Hamilton. away win. <laughs> so, well, how, how are the standings doing, points-wise? Um, points-wise, um, you are on five points. Dave is on six points, and I'm on three points. Ooh. Top of the league. Interesting. Bring it on. I'm actually doing quite well. I'm, I'm doing well at fantasy football. I'm doing it well at the fantasy football out here. The American version, and I'm also doing well at the accumulator. So I'm flying right now. I'm pretty happy. Oh, I'm pleased with you. Well, look, I think that brings to, to the end uh, pod four. Yes. Unless you guys, boys, got anything else to, to say? No, much. just want to uh, go on to firstly the email address. So the email address is footypod at gmail.com. That's now, footy, F O O T Y P O D, at gmail. 
M A I L. People know how to spell Gmail. Well, they might not. Sorry, listeners. Nick's questioning your intelligence. Patronising. Okay. It's not patronising. It's just someone said that we should spell it out. Definitely. Okay, fine. And also this week, what I decided to do on Facebook, I created a fan page instead of an actual group, just because it's going to be easier to to reach out to you guys in relation to when new podcasts come out. And also, what we started, we started daily blogs. Uh, Nick put one up yesterday, which was a really good read in relation to Villa. I done, I think, a few at the weekend, and we might get JD to write one or two up this week as well. Mm. So just uh, anything that happens in football that we want to talk about, we're going to put blogs up every day or two just to keep the interest going. And feel free to discuss them uh, blogs. I know a few people were discussing the Liverpool performance at the weekend. So that is uh, free from across the pond, the fan page. There's two on there. There's the Facebook group, but the fan page. Join the Facebook fan page. Just join them both. Join them both if you want to. Yeah. And um, one, one interesting fact I want to leave you with... Um, Maybe you may listen about it. Obviously, Gareth Southgate got um, sacked last mm-hmm. night. Yeah, he's Palace legend yeah. for you guys. Yeah, so that's what yeah. I thought I'd mention it. Yeah, shame because they um, were second actually, weren't they? Or they... Well, uh, yeah, though I think they won last night and he got the sack. So actually, I'm, we've got a Middlesbrough uh, supporting fan out here who I'm going to talk about, talk to about that, and then get her views on it next week. Yeah, I think that would be yeah. well worth it. But um, just want to say um, that's hard luck for Gareth Southgate. Obviously, bright young manager. Bringing through all these youth players. He's yep. still got a good reputation. Yep. He'll find another yep. job. I hope but, he um, He's a great guy. Also, hats off to Steve Gibson for giving him this long in the job. Yeah. Mm. Because no, not many chairmen stick by their manager and really try. But I do think that he should have stuck by him till the end of the season because he got them down. He, he could have got them up. Yeah. That was the first real managerial casualty we've had. We had any more this year so far? I don't know, well, you, you lot seem to think that Rafa Benitez might be on his bike. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that could come up. <laughs> it, might start, it might start the uh, flag race. And finally, guys, remember, this weekend uh, is the voting for Miss LA Galaxy closes on, I think, Friday at 5 o'clock. So vote for Nicola. She's a friend of the podcast, one of our friends out here. She's in line to win it. So go to lagalaxy.com and vote for her. There's a Miss LA Galaxy 2010 section. So I just wanted to get that out there. Is there a little link on the fan page? Yes, there's a link on the fan page as well. Okay. Thanks very much then. Um, See you next week. Bye. Bye.